Welcome in, everybody. Um, this is Matt DeMarinas from White and Blue Review. Uh, this is episode one of a hopefully recurring theme here. Where I like to throw ideas at the wall and then see who kind of thinks they're good ideas. I found someone today who thought it would be a good idea to have a volleyball podcast. So uh, that's what we're going to do today. And we'll see how that goes. And if we continue doing it, it'll be fun. Um, it's basically just a Creighton Volleyball wrap-up podcast. I figured... This team is, you know, too good to just have the typical write-up um, storyline thing. And they play every week, so it's kind of like football. It's really cool because you can do matches, then like a wrap-up like football does, and then have like a whole week of waiting for matches to start again. So it works out that way. Anyway, um, the person who humored me in this uh, endeavor here um, needs a proper introduction, so I'm going to do that now. Uh, despite how maybe embarrassed it might be to have flowers thrown at her right now. Uh, she is tied for 15th all-time in Creighton history in kills, uh, ninth all-time in blocks. She's a five-time all-academic Big East team, um, was part of five NCAA tournament teams at Creighton, won five Big East regular season titles, went to two Sweet 16s, won Elite Eight, 136 wins in her time at CU, including a redshirt year as a freshman, um, she is Megan Ballinger. Is that good? Is that too much? Yeah, that was that was a lot, but <laughs> was it too much or not? That, I guess I I, some things I didn't know. I guess. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was wondering: do I leave too much out, or do I throw too much in and then just um, make it? I think it was a good amount. <laughs> uh, Megan, how are you doing? Did you? How, I imagine you had some time to watch the matches this weekend. Did you get to any um, in person, or was it all just uh, on Flow Sports? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. Um, I made it to two of the matches this week, the Nebraska match, and then um, last night, the most recent match against UNO. So nice. got to see a few in person, which was really fun. And then, yeah, I caught the other ones on Flow Sports. So that was a new experience for me, but it was good. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't crazy about the Flow Sports thing at first, but I understand that they've got to um, make some money somehow for the Big East, so uh, putting all the non-men's, but I'd, I'd prefer if they put everything on FS1, because I think volleyball is yeah. right for FS1, but um, I guess, you know, they'll baby steps in that regard. I, they haven't heard my complaints loud enough yet. Um, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Let's start with the Nebraska match, though, although people probably don't want to relive that one we're going to anyway. That was on FS1, so it did get the primetime um, television slot, finally. Uh, so it was 19th ranked Creighton, third ranked Nebraska. Obviously, Creighton has never um, beaten them in the regular season before, so there's always kind of that thing going into it. I guess the first question I have for you um, maybe is a little bit out of uh, the players and coaches' controls, but when you, when you in your experience going into that Nebraska match, um, what kind of outside pressure did you guys – deal with as players because of the fact that there is still a zero in the win column from Creighton side of things. Was it at all a factor in your preparation? Um, I think as much as you probably try to, you know, put that on the side and not think about it, of course, like everyone's talking about coming to the match, friends, family, um, other students. 
Um, so, I mean, a lot of it just gets hyped up because, I mean, you're playing in a huge arena for one, mm -hmm. you know, it's going to be a huge crowd. I mean, historically, like when I played there the last time it was the biggest crowd in NCAA like history for a regular season match. So mm -hmm. just a lot of things like that get brought up a lot. And I mean, yeah, it adds some pressure. And of course, I mean, you're Creighton, you're playing Nebraska, who's what, 45 minutes down the road. So yeah. you want to beat them. And I mean, they know that they're going to get everyone's best match, hopefully. So, I mean, that's just, you just want to beat them, obviously. I mean, in-state rival a bit. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think uh, the way Nebraska, honestly, the way Nebraska played yesterday, they, they dropped a five-setter at home to Utah where they were up 2-0. Um, mm -hmm. And I think they had two, two or three set points in set three to put it away that they couldn't do it. I thought on Wednesday, Nebraska showed up with their A game. Like they didn't, I don't know if, if they, you know, had some kind of motivation to not be the first team to lose to Creighton or whatever it was, but, or if they just thought Creighton because of what they did um, in Lexington the weekend prior to the match um, had their full attention. But I thought Nebraska from a scouting perspective, from a schematic perspective, what they did defensively, I thought that was Nebraska's A game defensively. Um, so I, I, I don't know how, how you felt about it, but I thought they showed up ready to, um, put their best on the floor. Yeah. I thought two main things kind of stuck out to me from that match. I just thought Creighton lost the serve and pass game. I just thought Nebraska served a lot tougher yeah. and got Creighton out of the system a lot more. And then, yeah, defensively, just, I mean, sitting there, you can see that the Nebraska players are just flying around. I mean, getting block touches. And then if it gets past their block, their back row was getting it pretty much everything so mm -hmm. I think that was a big difference I mean points weren't really extended on the Creighton side I didn't think from a defensive standpoint so that was kind of an area I thought that really you could just see the different levels at times during mm -hmm. that game mm -hmm. yeah Nebraska had more digs in the three setter against Creighton than they had yesterday in the five sets against Utah that's how much that's they crazy. were flying around that's insane to me um, <laughs> that is crazy yeah I I, I the one thing that um, was brought up a, a lot, I guess, in the post-match was um, the crowd. Now, Nebraska plays in front of typically, you know, 8,000, 7,000 in that range every match they're at home. Um, Creighton, this was kind of their first time really in front of a big crowd going back pre – I mean, maybe the Iowa State match, I guess, was, was that had some buzz to it. There was a lot of people in that gym, but that wasn't um, one that counted. And there was a lot of – you know, weird lineups in that one. So this was their first match in front of a big crowd, you know, probably since for, for some of the veterans, since they can remember. And then for the freshmen and newcomers ever really did, did you see that have a, an effect on, on Creighton side of the net where, you know, as things got tougher from an offensive standpoint, because of the way Nebraska was flying around and covering the floor um, that the environment maybe got the best of them a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. I mean, even just from a standpoint, like Creighton doesn't practice in a facility similar to CHI ever, you know, yeah. only once before their match did they. Um, so it's just, I mean, it's different too. I mean, it's just your depth perception too. Like when you play in Sokol, it's a smaller arena. You can kind of see everything, like get your bearings a little bit more. And then when you're on like that huge arena floor, it's just a different look. And I mean, when you serve, the air's a little different. It's a bigger building, more people. It's just there's a lot of things that go into it. I mean, I think it just takes a little bit of getting used to. So I would mm. say, if, I mean, if they played in an arena like that all the time, I think it'd be a little easier of a transition for them. But 
Yeah, I don't, it, it is different for sure. So, I mean, it'd be interesting to like to see if they play that match in Sokol, would it go differently? You know, it's just so many things you kind of question, but I don't know. I mean, it is what it is. It's a fun atmosphere and I think it's fun for the players, but yeah, at times it can be a little stressful just because it's a different environment than you're really used to. For a player, is it good to have a weekend tournament to turn around and look at after a performance like that? I mean, there really was – I don't know if there was anything good to take away from Creighton's side of things. Like, they didn't play – they obviously played poorly offensively. You know, both of their left side pins, I think, hit zero combined between um, Nora and Jayla, 80 swings to hit zero. That's that's going to hurt you offensively a lot. Uh, defensively, they played well. It felt like they made things tough on Nebraska too. So I think they were in it from that standpoint. They were competitive there. Um, but when you get kind of beat like that, is is do you do you dwell on that or do you just like try to wipe that as quickly as possible and move on to what's next? I mean, I think you just try to wipe it. I mean, everyone on the team knows and the coaches know. It's like we didn't play well. Yeah. You know, there's no question about it. Like you can't really look at something and be like, okay, maybe there's a few good parts of the match, but I mean it's not really worth going back and looking at. Mm-hmm. Maybe you look at film for a few things where it's like, okay, we really like, it could have been better. Like this was in our control. Like let's make this better on our side of the net. Mm-hmm. And you can use that going into your next weekend and next matches. But I think for the most part, I mean, move on and look at your next opponent and just be like, we're going to play better. We'll be at home, you know, an environment we're used to, like, this is our home turf. Let's, let's play well and let's win. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, it's what, the way they came out against SMU that first match they played, um, I think they got it over with Friday afternoon. They had the credit to Kirsten Berthon Booth for the for the scheduling of the tournament because she got the the one match Friday afternoon, and then she got Illinois, which was you know if you were seeding this thing, probably the two seed in this tournament um, mm-hmm. for the next morning after they played a night match on Friday, and then you get the full seven. Uh, the full day's rest after that match to play UNO. So savvy scheduling from the coach's perspective. That's what you do when you host a tournament. You try to make that's it as the perks of hosting. Exactly. Yeah. That's what you do when you host. That's how you schedule when you host. Exactly. Um, I guess SMU, though, it felt like they weren't messing around. I, I think there have been points even in their first two weekends where, you know, they've gotten off to really good starts, especially in those first two sets. And then you've kind of seen a little bit where they there's been moments where they take the foot off the gas, they make some unforced errors that really aren't um, because of anything the team on the other side of the net is doing. I don't think there was that much of that against SMU. It felt like they were um, that. I don't think Nebraska was in their heads at all. Like they, it wasn't. They they were they, they looked pretty focused to me, and they looked sharp. And I don't think they messed around with with SMU very much. What was your read on that performance, especially coming off of? Um, such a, you know, a lopsided loss like that, you know, just a day or two days ago. Yeah, I think, I mean, when you lose and lose in the fashion that they did on Wednesday, I think when you get back in a match, I mean, you're ready to go. Like, you should be prepared. You should be motivated by that. I mean, you don't want to lose like you did. It's just, I mean, it's not a good feeling. So I think you saw in the first two sets, especially against SMU, I think, yeah, they were really organized, like had everything down. It was a clean first two sets, I thought. Yeah. And then, I mean, the third set, it's hard when you beat a team pretty handily the first, you know, first and second sets. It's kind of hard to just, you know, keep that focus sometimes in the third set. And 
I know even when I played there, Kirsten would remind you, she'd always reminds like, okay, the, the match isn't over. Like we need to take care of the, the third set. So I thought they did that pretty well. I mean, maybe let up a little bit, but I mean, they took care of it and got it done in, in three. So, I mean, that's what you want, especially in a tournament, your first match, you hope, yeah. you hope you sweep and kind of take care of it and you can rest more. So. Yeah. You don't want to wear yourself out in the first match because then with the rest of the tournament, no. right. Um, nine assists uh, to only three errors from the service line. I know serving is not always dictated in the, you know, in the numbers there, you know, just about how much you get the other team out of the system most of the time. But I mean, to come back from, you know, where, where they probably got beat pretty handily in that regard um, on Wednesday night to turn around and go, you know, nine and three in the plus column and, um, you know, hold SMU to sub 100 hitting percentage. Uh, looks like they had, you know, 22 block assists total, 11 team blocks. So they were setting up the block pretty well, making SMU kind of one-dimensional, um, easy to read and react to. What did you see as the difference in, you know, their performance from behind the line in, in that match especially? Yeah, I mean, I thought, I mean, yeah, you said nine service aces to three errors. I think a coach will take that, you know, anytime for sure. So. And I mean, those serves too, even if they weren't aces, I felt like they were getting them out of system a lot more than they did in like the Nebraska match. I thought Nebraska was in the system a lot and SMU kind of had to scramble more and their setter was running all over the place for, you know, a majority of the sets. So from that standpoint, it's good. And then you see that transition into blocking. I mean, it's a lot easier to block when teams are out of system. So a lot of block assists and I mean, it just makes it way easier, especially on the middle blockers. They know where the ball is going if they're out of system generally. So. Yeah. From that standpoint, you know, just it makes everything easier. It makes digging easier, you know. So I thought they, they played well. And I thought, you know, serving was a huge part of that. When you, uh, I think they started out, uh, SMU started, what was her name? Let's see. Um, I'm going to forget her number. So I'm not going to, I won't remember it. But they had a different, they had the uh, starting, they had a different libero start the match and a different one started the second set. Creighton was serving. You don't normally serve the libero, right? Like that's the one you, player you feel like you want to avoid on the floor but the fact that they got smu's starting libero kind of on tilt right away what kind of what did that do from a psychological standpoint to smu side of the net knowing that their best passer was kind of um getting targeted like that yeah i would say generally you don't serve a libero because usually they are the best passer and defender I mean, sometimes that's not necessarily true. Maybe somebody's really, really great at defense, but they're not as good of a service passer. So um, some of that was maybe part of it. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it kind of it does mess with you, obviously. I mean, to get pulled from playing that position and have somebody else replace you, I think, I mean, mentally for for that individual, I mean, it's not ideal. Um, but I mean, if they're putting that much pressure on their libero who's back there for six rotations passing, then I mean, that says good things about what Creighton's doing behind the line. For sure. Yeah. I mean, they were being your, you know, right side, left side short, like that, that middle back area was kind of getting eaten up by Creighton's whoever was back there from the service line. Um, you mentioned that there's, there's differences between, serve receive and being a good defender read and react and passer like um can you elaborate on what some of those differences are for the listeners yeah i mean i just think it's a whole different ball game so i mean just i mean doing serve receive is just much different i mean defense a lot more of it's flying around like you know just getting your body on the ground 
getting touches off the ball, but I mean, serve receive it's, it's angles. I mean, everything is moving your feet in angles. So if, you know, float serves, especially, I mean, can be challenging for people if they're not good at moving their feet or mm. their angles if their platform is, aren't as good. So it just, it really is just a different like part of the game mm. and it's just, it's challenging. Some people really have a knack for it and are good. I mean, just seeing the ball and having great angles. I mean, passing it to the setter, you know, I mean, it's just, it's a different, just a different thing. I mean, yeah. some people are good at it and some people doesn't come as naturally, you know, some people are really great at defense, just reading like behind a block and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. it's just a little bit different. And I mean, different skill set for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, we're going to rip through these other two matches here and then we'll kind of go on to some individual um, analysis of uh, player performances. Second match against Illinois. Um, again, I felt like Creighton came out I don't know if they felt like Illinois was – it's funny because even throughout your career, I think I can picture in my head based on how you guys would come out for a match, um, whether Kirsten had kind of given you the RPI booster talk or whatever, like, hey, this is a resume builder this is or this is a resume killer versus if it's one of those teams kind of in between, right? Like one of those teams yeah. who they won't kill our resume, but they're not going to help it very much. And it's like, you can kind of see sometimes the team will, you guys would come out and maybe just go through the motions a little bit and play yourself into the match versus when you're playing one of these um, RPI killer or RPI booster teams, you usually see those type of teams come out like with the switch already flipped from point one. And I thought Illinois probably got the RPI booster talk if it, if it, if it exists at all. Um because it felt like Creighton came out ready to not mess around with Illinois. They didn't want to let them get, get any confidence, get on any rolls. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if Creighton used a timeout. Maybe not even until set three, honestly. I can't remember. Um, the first two sets were pretty convincing. Like, uh, what, what did you see in terms of what Creighton was doing so well that, that allowed them to create that much separation consistently from Illinois and not really let them – um, you know, kind of get any rhythm really in those first two sets. Yeah, I thought, I mean, I think again, serving, I mean, they had a lot of errors, but they were going after it. I mean, yeah. from that standpoint, it's frustrating to watch because you feel like there's so many service errors and they had eight service errors to only two aces. So, I mean, yeah. ideally you don't want that. Um, but they were going after it and get them out of system, you know, when they were getting the ball in. Um, and then I thought they got good block touches to make it easier, um, just to transition from defense. So I think those things kind of helped them out, especially in those first two sets where I thought they were pretty dominant. Yeah. Yeah. That's where, that's where we talked about earlier where the aces errors isn't always reflective of the certain performance. Cause I felt like Illinois was pretty left side heavy in that match too, which again, you're going right into Naomi, Annika, Kendra, like, that's the strength of Creighton's block right there. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're constantly putting four hands of their, their best four hands even um, on that side of the net. And I felt like Illinois, because of what Creighton was doing from a serve, from a serve uh, serving standpoint was making Illinois pretty left side heavy. And, you know, just not, they didn't even really get the middles going that much until I think the third set and fourth set. So I, I think that's what maybe contributed to the first two games. In my opinion was how just, one-dimensional Creighton made Illinois from an attack standpoint. It's just, you know, Kendra and Naomi specifically, if they're blocking, they're, those are two really strong players. Like, 
if they're there, that's going to be a tough ball to put down. That's a tough block to tool, you know? Um, so I felt like that's what was kind of the key in the first two games, even though, like you said, the error count was a little bit higher than you'd probably like it. If you're serving that well, you'd probably like a few more of those to stay in between the lines. Um, it did feel like Illinois wasn't able to establish the entire net in that those first two sets. Yeah, I agree. Um, game two, Illinois, I think, you know, it was kind of back and forth the whole way, um, but Illinois did pull that one out. And then game four, again, that was one of those, I think you talked about the lull, right? When you're up 2-0, you kind of take your foot off a little bit. Maybe Creighton did that in game three, just kind of went through the motions a little bit. Um you know, obviously, Illinois was desperate to extend the match, and they did. Game four, though, looked a lot like one and two, right? Um, Creighton got out to a lead, kept it, ex- extended it. And they were up 23 to 16, and, you know, the crowd kind of senses that's a wrap. And, you know, I don't. it, it seemed like uh, maybe Creighton did too. Illinois did not. So they ripped off an 8-0 run from – they were down 23-16 and went eight straight. Um, to get match point, which was kind of crazy. Uh, right there in that moment, I want you. I I I, I want to know what you're thinking as a player when you're up 23 to 16, um, two points away from wrapping the whole deal up, and a team. I mean, I haven't seen it very often. So a team goes 8-0, and now you're having to 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 save match point. What what goes through your mind when that happens? Yeah, I mean, that's a heck of a run by the Illinois server, for sure. I mean, yeah, for sure. That's, that's crazy. You know, she doesn't miss at eight points. I mean, I think you think that's kind of crazy. Um, so from that standpoint, I guess you're thinking, well, this girl's bound to miss, you know, in the back of your head. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I just think once you get to 23, you're like, let's close it out. Like, let's get it finished. And, I mean, when you don't, it goes on for that long. I mean, you get into that lull of kind of like, okay, like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And then. You know, and invertedly, there's probably Kirsten's taking a timeout, and then you just, you know, you wish you wouldn't take a timeout, and then you're trying to regroup, get back on the court, and I mean, hopefully, side out. So it, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's aggravating. And then once you're, I mean, they were trading points, obviously. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're into the 30s in, in the in the fourth set, which is crazy. So I mean, and then when it's go time and it's you know two point swing, then you're like, we need to go for it. You know, you yeah. just you have to go all out because otherwise, I mean you're not going to tip on game point and hope to win, you know, you have to swing away. So you just have to be aggressive and hopefully, you know, you come out on top. Bigger picture though. I think from a match to match standpoint, I think um, game four against Illinois was maybe where Creighton showed you they've learned a lesson a little bit because I don't, I don't, I don't think they took their foot off the gas in set two against Nebraska, but they were up 18, 14, and Nebraska got on a big serving run, and Creighton couldn't get it corrected. Like, Nebraska finished that thing off, and then set three was a wash. Like, Nebraska held the momentum. It felt like Creighton kind of um, got defeated a little bit by the way set two ended when they were in control um, and couldn't finish it. Game four against Illinois had potential. Again, when a team rips off an 8-0 run when you're at 23, that's that doesn't happen, right? You, uh, so many <laughs> things have to go – wrong for you and right for them at the same exact time. Like you said, never missing a serve even, you know? Um, But I thought the way Creighton fought off, I think they fought off three set points in game four um, at different, at different stages. So the way they kind of didn't fold right there was impressive to me. And I felt like that was something that showed some growth because 
we saw it on Wednesday when Nebraska put that kind of pressure on them to close the show in game two. I think the pressure over over overwhelmed Creighton um, on you know on Saturday or yesterday uh, in game four. The same thing could have happened um, because that's an incredible run by Illinois. That, Illinois has got to be flying high right there on eight zero run. We're at we're at set point now after being left for dead. Um, and now, and you know, you know, from experience that fifth games are just a coin toss, like whoever can get that first three Oh serving run is basically in control at that point. Um, I thought Creighton's response showed growth from, from even from Wednesday, because, um, I don't know what they learned specifically, but, uh, it, it did show that this is that team is kind of like gelling together and learning as they go, despite how dominant they've been through these first 10 matches. Yeah, I mean, yeah, when when you get to that point in the match, I mean, it's crunch time. Like, it's time to finish. And as Creighton, you don't want to go into a fifth set because, I mean, yeah. at that point in the match, Illinois had been playing a lot better. Right. I mean, they played the best they did the entire match in the fourth set. So, towards the end of the fourth set, too. So, I mean, they had a ton of momentum. And even, you know, if Illinois would have won that set, I think it just, I mean, it would have been a coin toss. Like you said, I mean, yeah. they were playing really well and really just, like, disrupting Creighton. So I think, I mean, just that fourth set, I think will really pay off for them like down the road too. Yeah. I mean, instead of tournament time, I mean, it's not uncommon for you to go extra points even in a right. fifth set, you know? So I think, I mean, it'll really pay dividends because they've been in that moment and they know like how to get a point when they need one. You know, you can't go on a run when you're trying to close on a match or, you know, you can't let another team go on a run on you. So, yeah. I mean, I think it'll really help them in the future. Yeah, I think, you know, it was funny because I was sitting there and I, I they're going through, you know, they're into the 30s now and both teams have a chance to finish it off. Momentum is like shifting point by point And, you you know, those swings are crazy from an, from an emotional standpoint. It reminded me a little bit of the uh, first set against North Carolina back in 2015, I think when you were redshirting um, that mm -hmm. first set. I think Carolina actually won it 32 to 30, but because you guys had rallied to make it, uh, to push it into the thirties, like the rest of the match was kind of yours because you had figured something out and then kind of gotten into a rhythm that North Carolina couldn't break. So that's what it goes to your point about Illinois. You're in the thirties now with a team that's been playing better as the match has gone on. If you don't find a way to finish it in four, Illinois is probably, gonna feel pretty good about it in the fifth set they might even it might not even be close because of the way they're playing and then Creighton would feel like a little bit defeated after losing the 23-16 lead and not having anything to show for it um so yeah I think that's I don't know if we'll, it remains to be seen going forward if that's gonna pay off but I feel like yeah I feel like that's something there that's going to be an experience they can lean on in a tough situation you know in the near future um having to to, to to go from front running that to that degree to having to face adversity in the same, in the same window. Oh yeah. Um, then they were, so they had the that was the, the first match on Saturday. Um, then they got UNO. I, I think UNO is a really scrappy team, but physically I just was kind of, I had a lot of questions about how they were going to match up with, um, with Creighton, if Creighton was passing and serving well, like, you know, if they're dictating where UNO is kind of going offensively and they're able to set the block up, I don't know. I just had a lot of questions about how UNO was going to be able to to handle that. Um, and the first set kind of 
I don't think Creighton passed very well, especially at the start of it. Um, but they, again, I think physically they were able to make enough plays to make that a little lopsided. Uh, it was game two where it got a little dicey. I think UNO got a little bit of a rhythm. They, it looked to me like they were doing a really good job of winning those ugly points. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to describe what ugly points really are yeah. for a listener, but it just, it's <laughs> not like there's a lot of out of system plays. Um, UNO is tipping a lot. They're just, you know, pushing balls into open spaces. Um, they're being really creative with messing with the blocking block timing of Creighton. Um, and UNO was on a pretty good run there. It felt like they were in control of the entire set. What did you see uh, that, that, that maybe from Creighton's side of the net was not going right um, when UNO kind of built that, that, you know, that early lead, I think it was 13 to six, 14 to six. And um, mm-hmm. from that point on. Yeah, I thought, I mean, like you said, I thought they were scrapping a lot more. Just, I mean, mm-hmm. those ugly plays, I think it's just when you're flying around and just trying to get a hand on the ball and it's it's going in their favor. So they're getting, you know, a good touch or they're getting good block touches and then being able to run their defense. So I thought they did that really well. And yeah, that second say I really thought was a letdown. I mean, for Creighton, especially, I mean, you don't want to be down 13 to six in the second set after yeah. you pretty much dominate set one. I mean, that's just not how you want to show up and start start a set. I mean, a slow, I mean, a slow start is never good. So then you just have to dig yourself out of the hole, right? For mm-hmm. multiple points. So, and I think, like you said, I mean, they were able to do that against UNO, but the question becomes like in the future, will they be able to do that against a team, you know, that is a little bit more, you know, fast paced or, you know, they can score points a little bit more. They can go on runs. I didn't think UNO was able to go on runs as much as, you know, maybe an Illinois would be able to go on. So it's just, I mean, you don't want to see that happen. So I think that's another learning moment where you're like, we need to get it together in our second set. We need to start as strong as we did in our first set. So from that standpoint, yeah. And then, I just thought the match overall, I think the difference in like blocking again, I thought Creighton did a really good job just getting block touches and mm-hmm. things as the match went on. But yeah. Yeah. I think the, the, the one, um, the one area that was interesting to me was in the first set when Creighton got off to the slow start, I think they were down maybe eight to four um, somewhere around that range. Uh, but, uh, you know, Coach Booth didn't call a timeout. I think she let the players kind of work it out a little bit. Like, you know, there would be so many things to address right now. I think you guys all know that it's not – that you're not doing the things that we plan to do here. Um, so, they she kind of let them work it out themselves in the first set, and they were able to. And I think that was, again, maybe the case in set two. Like, all right. We're, we're in the, we're in a hole again, um, but it's kind of similar to the way it was in game one. Let's see if we can figure it out ourselves and work it out. Um, and when it got to 13 to six, obviously then there had to be a little bit of regroup there. Uh, but, you know, it got to 18, 13, I think UNO again. So Creighton dug out of it a little bit, but UNO was still able to stave it off. And then Jayla Zimmerman goes back behind the line and 12 straight points, like just like kind of Illinois had done to him that morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jayla kind of flipped it on 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 UNO. What what worked from did Jayla just get them out of system a lot? Um, did, did did more than they? I felt like UNO wasn't in system a ton the whole time. But what 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 were some of the factors that created Creighton's advantage to that degree to make them to help them climb out from eighteen thirteen and not let UNO get another point? 
Yeah, I think like you said, I, I do think she got him out of the system. I mean, she was putting good serves in, maybe not the toughest serve she's ever, you yeah. know, put in a match, but she did it consistently and got them out of the system enough where I think, I mean, I think the block really came together. I mean, yeah. throughout that match. And I, I know just watching like Naomi was over there closing on the outside. I mean, it was easier for her to close and then you have a big block. And I didn't think, you know, hitters did that good of a job, you know, kind of going around the block, using the block. I just thought, you know, they just were hitting it straight into them. So it kind of made it easier for Korean um, from that standpoint. So I think that really started to work for them. Um, and then just defensively too, I mean, getting touches because you're there, you're set up. I mean, your mm -hmm. defense knows how to play behind you because you're there and there's no holes in the block. So it just, it makes it easier from everyone's standpoint. Yeah. I don't know if you, if, if, if you saw this too, but the, I thought Creighton, I thought Creighton churned a little one dimensional defensively, but I think they were trying to force UNO's hand a little bit. I, and I think coach Booth mentioned this in her post game that they were just kind of selling out to that left side, putting four hands over there and, 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 putting kind of Abby bottomly um, in that scene to, to cover that, that, that cross shot. Um, because even when I thought UNO did get around Naomi on that inside block, Abby was kind of there to, to dig it and put a good pass together. So Kendra could set it and, and put a ball down. Um, so I thought from a tactical standpoint, Creighton probably took a gamble right in that regard but it worked out because abby had been passing really well she had been one actually abby was the one player i thought was passing well the whole match um that night right so maybe that's was that just a rhythm thing where you're like hey abby's handling their velocity their angles really well let's just kind of give her a window to see everything and we'll we'll have naomi and uh kendra kind of sell out on that left side if uno goes there yeah, and I thought, I mean, just the tempo, too, that UNO was running to their outside, especially, I thought was pretty, it was fast, but I didn't think their hitters were really able to do much with it. Okay. So from that same point, I thought Kendra and, like, Kendra and Naomi were set up, right? And I thought they got a lot of blocks, maybe not an ace block every time, but, right. I mean, they got good touches on the block or just blocked back to UNO's side, and then they had to reset and try to, you know, do something else offensively. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think they were set up well, and then – you know, you have Abby, who is your best defender back there, mm -hmm. or, you know, she's just, she can set up there and she just sees it perfectly because, I mean, they're not going over Naomi. They just, they didn't set the ball high enough and their hitters weren't, you know, jumping high enough to yeah. hit it over her block. So, I mean, from her standpoint, it makes it a lot easier. I mean, she, she's in the spot and that's where they have to hit it to, unless if, you know, they do something else crazy, you know, tip or tool but i didn't really see them doing all that much of that i mean i just thought they were kind of swinging and swinging away but not really very effectively for on sure. those left side um for sure a little bigger picture i guess when you're when you're putting this whole weekend or not this whole weekend sorry the all the, the three weekend tournaments so far creighton only dropped three sets in those things and that that's just it, even even if they're not playing their best they've been able to find a way to to win. And it's not like they're playing. I think, you know, when you look at these teams, I think maybe there's been, you know, five or six NCAA tournament teams so far. Right. We, you know, typically that's what that slate looks like anyway. Right. Uh, this yeah. is the second year in a row. They swept the, uh, that Kentucky USC Northern Iowa tournament that used to give Creighton a lot of problems. It used to be like, mm -hmm. you know, a celebration if they could get one of those high profile matches. Um, yeah. and they, the last two years or the last two years they've played it, 
uh, last season. Obviously, they didn't play it in the spring, um, but they've swept it. They've they they haven't. They're six to zero. Um, when you look at this whole the, the three weekend tournaments, though, they've won twenty seven. I think of the thirty sets they've played, they went five with USC, um, and then they dropped the game three to Illinois this weekend. That's the only those are the only sets they've lost. What, what is there a thread to you in terms of their performances? Why they've been able to be not only successful but kind of dominant in that same regard? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they've been playing consistently. I mean, I think, I mean that that shows a lot. I think, especially at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. like like you said, like USC at least when I played always gave us troubles, and so like yeah. that tournament that I played in the last time they played this tournament. Yeah, we beat all those teams, which was the first time we had ever done that. Um, Kentucky, obviously, a really great opponent. And, I mean, to sweep the reigning champions, I think, yeah. is just an awesome thing. I mean, it's an awesome booster, too, for your team. You rank a – you beat a highly ranked team. And, yeah. I mean, you look back at it, you know it's going to help your RPI, too. So, yeah, I think, I mean, just tournaments are a grind. But um, if you're able to go back-to-back, you know, play multiple matches in a day and – um, get the win and play well, like you said, like not not go to five, you know, not drop multiple sets. I think no that just shows you, yeah, that just shows you like you can be successful in it. I mean, you know, you can compete with anyone. So mm-hmm. I think it's they're in a great position, you know, going into this last tournament and then into conference. So yeah, and the, the, the Nebraska match is really the only outlier this whole season so far, because when you look at all the yeah. performances that's the only one where they haven't been able to uh, get into a rhythm for a large portion of the match. You know, and, and I think the set to the set to come back by Nebraska probably prevented that match from being a little bit more competitive because maybe Creighton, you know, just kind of got a little bit deflated by the way it ended. Right. So, you know, you wonder if that's, if that's a seesaw second set and Creighton goes into the locker room down Oh two, they might be in a better position to compete more from a mindset standpoint in game three, had they not dropped it the way they did game three was kind of, there wasn't really much juice left. Right. Cause you felt like you would no. own an opportunity. So the rest of it is just like, when you look at all the other performances, they've kind of been the ones dictating the terms, right. They've played from the lead against everybody, even against Kentucky. Um, and I think the Kentucky match is different from, from one standpoint. It's like, you guys have beaten top five teams before and have pushed teams that have been kind of in that conversation, but I don't know if Creighton's ever, other than the five setter against Nebraska, um, your junior year, I don't know if there's ever been a time where it's like Creighton's going toe to toe with a team that's got, you know, national championship pedigree. Right. And Kentucky's coming off of that. They had just, you know, they hung their banner. They had got their, you know, they got their moment there to celebrate on Friday night and they turn right around and face you guys. And um, it didn't feel like all that, like Kentucky had a, had a chance to, to, to get into a rhythm there. It felt like Creighton was playing from, you know, in control the whole time. Like this is what, this is what, this is how this match is going. Basically Kentucky, you have to deal with it like that. So I thought that was impressive. I think, you know, I don't know. Offensively, I feel like Norris, this has been kind of a revelation. I don't know. Um, it certainly doesn't feel typical that a freshman comes in and is as low error as she is on the left side pin. Like, right. That's, that's a high volume, 
position from an attack standpoint. And you're a true freshman playing a schedule that Kirsten Bernthal Booth puts together in non-conference. Like someone's going to figure you out and make you have a bad day. It didn't really happen until Nebraska. So like, and even then that's been kind of the only one, right? Is that what's been different about her that she's a low error left side, like as a true freshman, what, what do you think is the key to that? Yeah, I think, yeah, like you said, I, I mean, just watching all these matches too, that's exactly what I noticed. It's just, she's low air. I think she picks her moments to swing. Mm. Um, and I, I watch her too. And there's at times where she can swing away and she, maybe she tips it, but I mean, she's just learning kind of the rhythm of being out there and, you know, taking balls that maybe aren't in a perfect position for her all the time. So I think it'll be fun to watch her um, just like swing away a little bit more too, as the, mm as the season goes on and just kind of really pick her, pick her moments. I mean, she'll throw it down the line. She'll tip it short. I mean, she'll hit it deep cross. She'll hit it line. She just, I think she really just moves around her attacks. And I think that's what's made her successful so far. Yeah. There was one kill late again, I think against SMU. <laughs> I, I don't know if it mattered all that much. Cause Creighton kind of was, I think it was in set three and they were kind of already wrapping it up, but she's like kind of, if she's between the scorer's table and the post and the, you know, that, that outside pin, she was probably close to the scorer's table in my opinion. And that's a, and she somehow got that through the pin, you know, kind of like on an angle right back at us and dropped it in for a kill. And I just don't, that's, I think she like, she has glimpses where she shows you how special she is. I think the low error part of it is the consistent part. Like that's impressive, but then she'll like, because Iowa State, they didn't, they weren't uh, broadcasting it, so there's no footage of this. But against Iowa State, she had a back row kill that it felt like Michael Jordan taking off from the foul line. Like she come, fl- she came flying into view and just went right to the donut. Put, I mean, it felt like she put the ball to the floor, um, mm-hmm. and her hang time was insane. The crowd had like an audible like shock to it. It was like, <gasps> like. Did you know it wasn't even like a, they like there was like a pause before the cheer that there was a kill because they were like did she just fly like literally <laughs> so yeah she has moments like that and I think that's what the it's fun that she's a freshman because that's only there's only going to be more of those plus uh more steady consistent kind of a cerebral part of the game that's going to come into play eventually when when the yeah. game slows down for her and she's able to kind of see everything out there and not have to think about it too much. Right. Oh yeah. I agree. I think, I mean, I just think she'll get better. And like you said, she, I mean, she jumps super well, so she has great vision up there. So mm-hmm. it'll be really fun to just see her game develop. Yeah. One player who kind of had a, a little bit of a different weekend uh, was Keely Davis. She kind of got that right side assignment a little bit this weekend after being more back row serving specialist uh, the first couple um, the first handful of matches, I guess. Um, what did you see in her performance this weekend uh, in terms of how efficient she was from that right side? Uh, you know, it, obviously it's, she's not, it wasn't as many sets as she would get on the left side where, you know, Nora and Jayla are kind of rotating on that, on that side of the floor. But it felt like when she got her opportunities, um, she was pretty aggressive. It felt like she didn't take very many passive swings or um, not that tipping is, passive but she didn't I don't think she tipped very much either I think she was anytime she got a ball whether it was in system or out of system she was taking a pretty good hack at it 
Yeah, I thought it was fun to kind of see, you know, the different evolution. Because, I mean, when I played with her, she was on the outside always. So, um, I just, I think it gives them a good look. I mean, having her on the right side, because she's somebody who has a very heavy arm. You know, she Mm -hmm. hits the ball really hard. And um, they didn't necessarily have that with some of the other people they were rotating through that spot. Um, So, I just think it's fun. I mean, just to see her kind of swing away. And it just adds a different parity to the offense. Because you have two really strong hitters on both pens. So, I mean, Kendra, too, is comfortable going back to that right side and so it just makes it fun and I think she's a smart player and she just she'll swing away and then she'll you know tip one in but strategically so and she'll score on it so I just think it gives them a really good look and it's it's fun to watch yeah what do you think of Kendra Waite so far like what's your she came in obviously she's the highest ranked recruit in Creighton history uh, extremely decorated multi-sport I mean we probably need a different name for what she is in terms of multi-sport <laughs> athlete yeah, um, extremely decorated, uh, you know, coming in with kind of a lot of hype, um, more so than a Creighton volleyball player probably would a typical Creighton volleyball player would get. I think, you know, before this class, like I think you and Jaylee's class was the only one where um, and Taryn, it, it kind of compares in that regard. What uh, what do you see out of Kendra so far that um, shows you that it's kind of not. It's more substance than hype, I guess. What, how would you assess her performances so far? Yeah, I mean, I think the main thing that sticks out to me, I mean, at first glance, I guess I would say, is she's just she's everywhere on the court. Yeah. I mean, just defensively, like she's everywhere. And I don't think I've ever played with a setter or seen a setter as kind of like bought into playing defense. Mm. I mean, most setters aren't typically your best defender, right? Or one of your best defenders. And I think right. she's she's up there. So, I mean, she's flying around for balls. She's just, I mean, even people in the crowd are like, dang, like she's everywhere. Like she's, she's on every ball. She's involved in every play. So I think, I mean, it's just really fun to watch when somebody's just like tenacious on defense. And then, I mean, she's the setter too. So she really does run the offense. So everything goes through her. And I think it's, it's been fun to watch. And uh, I mean, I think the connections with the hitters will, you know, continue to get better and, I mean, I want to see her get those middles involved. I mean, selfishly, yeah. I was a middle. So right, I, mean, right, I right. want to see her get those middles like involved, pump the middles more, you know, kind of open up all the offense. But, yeah. You want to I see, mean, you want to see those middles get about so. 20 sets or so in that range, right? Yeah. You yeah. know, I, yeah. selfishly, I'm like, set the middles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, that's a good point that you bring up, though, because I think the one thing that's maybe a little bit of a surprise so far in a good way is that. I get caught up more watching or being more impressed by what she does defensively than what she does um, setting. I think mm-hmm. like, I th- cause I don't, I, I don't, you see moments where in, in the setting department that the connection still isn't, it's still a work in progress, right? You can see um, the, the connection between her and Navy kind of Naomi, excuse me, kind of comes and goes. Um, there are moments on the pin where it's, it's not, it's maybe a little too tight to the net. Uh, and and the hitter only has really kind of one option to tip the block at that point. Um, but defensively, she's just a, like there. When a point happens, there is no stop until it's over. She'll run all mm-hmm. like she'll lay full on extension, dive into the scorer's table on each side of the floor. Oh, yeah. You know she's setting up her block really well. She's always kind of there getting hands to balls. Um, and then, like you said, it's kind of crazy to when you just watch her as a play is happening because she's also the setter. So wherever she, whatever she's doing defensively in terms of 
how she's compromising her positioning, whether she's diving in the back row or diving on, you know, out of bounds, you, you see how quickly she just bounces up and sprints to wherever, you know, the pass is going so she can set it to whatever hitters in the area. Right. So that's probably yeah. the most like incredible part of her performances so far was, is defensively. She's just like a bulldog. There's just, there's a toy out there. It's the ball. Go get it. Like wherever <laughs> it's at, she's going to get it. It's crazy. Yeah, she's, she's good. It'll be, it'll be fun to continue just watching her, especially as a setter too. Like defense, yeah. she's, she's, she's there, but you know, as the, you know, the setter and just having that offense run really smoothly, I think it'll come and it'll be fun to watch. Yeah. That's the, yeah. I don't know. It's like, I, I remember watching Madison Lilly last year with Kentucky and like, probably i don't know one of the best setters i've seen in the last few years of volleyball like just can control so many parts of the game and mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy how much of an impact she had you know and i think kendra's kind of i don't i don't know if the setting will get to that point because that's you know madison lee was the national player of the year that's, that's <sighs> ridiculous right so yeah it, it's almost like unfair to put that kind of expectations on somebody um especially at this point in their career but defensively it's it's, it's special, right? Like you can see that she's a special athlete. Like there's something different about the way she's wired competitively. Like she knows, you know, the ball is not supposed to hit the floor. So she's going to do whatever she can to not let it hit the floor, whether that's at the net setting up her block or whether that's flying around after it, wherever the ball's going, you know, after that first pass or whatever. So that's, that's been the impressive part for me. We got to talk about Jayla though. Cause you know what I'm getting into a habit of right now? And it's making me mad is because I can control it and I still have, I still do it. Like she's just been Jayla and it feels like, why does it feel like I'm getting bored with Jayla? What's my problem here? Like she's so good. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's so good. She's so consistent. And then, you know, you like, Oh, you're like, Oh, Nora's new and incredible. And like Kendra's new and incredible. Abby's new and Keely's on the right side now. And it's like, I feel like Jayla and Naomi, who are the co-captains of the team, I'm just like, yeah, that's what Naomi does. Yeah, that's what Jayla does. Like, I'm I'm losing my wow factor with them because they're <laughs> so they're so steady, Eddie. They just they give you everything from a consistent basis that you're like, yeah, I kind of know. It's like you know, I don't know if you're like if it's a superstar thing or whatever, but you're like, yeah, I kind of know what I'm expecting out of them, so I don't get wowed by it. What's wrong with me? Like, why is that happening? I mean, I feel like that's a good. I mean, good players, I think you know what to expect and yeah. they're going to show up all the time. So I think that's a good compliment. I mean, yeah, it's still it's still exciting to watch, but yeah, you do know what you're going to get. And, you know, Jayla's swinging out there. You're like, yeah, it's probably a kill. So, yeah. you know, let's move on. Next play. So. It's like, um, she can block. She can, she can play defense. She can serve. She can terminate from the back row, the pin. It doesn't matter. Um so I get maybe here's the part that maybe you can speak to a little bit when you've got a teammate like that, who's six rotations solid everywhere. Um, spectacular in some areas, like, well, she'll do, she'll have a wow moment that, you know, really fires you up energy wise. Like she brings it right. Those huddles are all, you know, Jayla driven where she's screaming in somebody's face from like inches away. Mm-hmm. What, 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 what kind of, what kind of, um, boost from like a confidence standpoint does it give a team knowing she's on your side 
Yeah, I think, I mean, she's just that like glue person, right? So, I mean, everything, I mean, emotionally, the team on the court, I mean, a lot of it runs through her. I mean, she's a senior, she's, you know, she's played in big matches. She's, you know, played consistently for several years now. Um, So I just think, I mean, she's the person you look to, right? When you need someone to look to in tough times or good times, I mean, she's in it all. So she's important. I mean, she's a key, key part of, the team on and off the court. So I just think, I mean, she's that person that you always look to and she's a, she's a huge part of it. And even, I mean, her performance is so important to Creighton, but I mean, the things that she does like intangibly too are just, just as important. So. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I mean, the thing is like as much depth as they have as much, like they're skilled, they're a really skilled team, really talented. Um, But I think when you factor in the intangibles that you bring up, I think they go as Jayla goes because um, if she's not right here, I think it'll, I think it has a chance to affect the team in a match. Like if she's, if she's on tilt, I think the whole team would be on tilt, but if she's, you know, locked in, juiced up, energetic, you know, next point mentality. um, I think the team responds better to that. So I think from that standpoint, you can kind of see why, she is a team leader because I think they, I think she more than maybe anyone on the roster has a chance to affect the entire team based on her energy level and what she's feeling mentally, right. From match to match. So I think that's probably yeah, yeah. what you're talking about a little bit there. Yeah, I agree. And I think too, like you have people at key positions that are new to them. Right. So yeah. I mean, Abby is new to Creighton and yep. new to Creighton volleyball. And you have Kendra, who's a freshman setter. I mean, she has a huge role, but, you know, maybe isn't quite there in like the leadership department because it's hard. I mean, you're a freshman, you're brand new. So I think, I mean, when you have Jayla, she's just, she has to be that leader for them. And she's in that role. And I, I know she embraces it and um, just is really successful at it. So, yeah, for sure. All right, so next up for Creighton, they've got the Shocker Volleyball Classic done in Wichita. They're playing Wyoming, South Dakota, Wichita State. Um, I don't know much about Wyoming, South Dakota, and Wichita State, though, are usually two teams that kind of have always pushed Creighton. There's always competitive matches. They've gone five sets more than I can count with those teams. Um, so that should be another interesting test because it's right before conference. So it's kind of like a look-ahead moment. Like, this is Creighton's last chance to kind of polish up its non-conference resume. Um but they also jump right into conference play. So it's kind of important not to like look ahead to those staggered weekends where it's two matches a piece. You got one more tournament. It's down in Wichita where Creighton doesn't always play great because it's Wichita. So, you know, I don't know anybody <laughs> that plays great in Wichita except Wichita. Uh, so there, there are challenges there. So um, we'll see how the Jays perform there. I think if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> I don't know why this still happens in 2021, but I think Wichita State is only broadcasting the matches they're involved in. So Wyoming and South Dakota will be live stats only. Um, so that'll make it tough to analyze next weekend, but we'll try to bring it back anyway. Um, the Wichita State match on Saturday at 7 p.m. is on ESPN+. Plus. Um, so plan your schedules accordingly. That'll wrap up the tournament for them and wrap up the non-conference. Uh, Megan, I do appreciate you humoring me on this. Hopefully it was worth your time, not a waste of your time. Um, and everybody listening, we appreciate you tuning in. Um, I think we'll do episode two if you didn't hate it. 
Uh, maybe we'll get some questions from the fans and we'll, we'll tee those up too, as we, as we go along with this, but uh, we appreciate you all tuning in and Megan, I appreciate your time.